You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 353, Team Building with the Apostle Paul, Part 2. So last week we started this this two-part series on building great teams, but actually looking into the New Testament at who I think is the premier team builder in the New Testament, and that is the Apostle Paul. It's easy to think that Jesus is, and, 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 and you know, there's definitely an argument for Jesus being a premier team builder as well, uh, but his ministry was much more limited than Paul's was time-wise. Paul was uh, really for 20, maybe 25 years was planting churches, um, you know, throughout the, the Roman Empire and had, had incredible teams do it. Jesus' ministry was much more focused and shorter. So last week we talked about the fact that Paul used teams to... Uh, really accomplish his mission. We, mission. we talked about uh, calling, the importance of calling, uh, how Paul over and over again talked about how he was called to do the work and he was looking for people who were called. And as a team builder, you want people that are devoted to the cause. You don't want people who just kind of pop in and pop out saying, hey, let me just kind of give this a try. You want people that are passionate, that are called, that are that 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 have a sense that this is something that they can do to make a difference. Um, and I'm not just talking about it in the church; I'm talking about it in the workplace as well. If somebody's not passionate about what they're doing, it's going to be um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. There's not that buy-in. You really want people that are committed to you, to the mission of the organization, and uh, really to what you're trying to accomplish. Number two, we talked about character. You want people who are who are bigger on the the inside than they are on the outside. And Paul was a man of character, and he he really built a team of people who had character as well. And think about it. I mean, he couldn't, you know, follow them around. He he couldn't check up on them all the time. It was the first century. Travel was difficult. Communication was difficult. So he had to have people that he could trust when he wasn't around. And those are the kind of people I want on my teams as well. And then chemistry. You know, I'm I'm always amazed at people who go for the 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 talented and the, the 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 really educated and the people who are on paper anyway the the superstars, but yet they don't have the right chemistry. Maybe they bring a bad attitude with them. Maybe they're just difficult to work with. I'll take somebody who might not be quite as smart, maybe not quite as competent. Um, you know, I, we'll talk about training them here in a minute, but. Really, give me somebody that I want to work with. We don't have to be best friends, but when I come to work for eight or ten or hours or more, I want it to be somebody that I want to be around. I don't like workplace drama. I don't like it when people bring their their, their drama to work. And it's just so much better when we, we create a team where everybody gets along. And, you know, maybe, maybe you think, oh, well, that's a pipe dream. Well, you know, the teams I've created... 
by and large, that's kind of because this is the model I've used for years. And by and large, in different environments, from the police department to uh, churches, nonprofit organizations, you know, I just haven't had a whole lot of drama. I mean, I've had some. I mean, you're dealing with people. But on the whole, we can prevent that by uh, looking for the right chemistry. So when I'm putting a team together, I'm, I'm, I'm selecting people that I want to be around. All right, don't go away. Before we get too deep, we're about to start into today's content. I wanted to let you know that this episode of Leading and Learning was brought to you by my book, New Testament Snapshots. New Testament Snapshots really um, deals with some of the same things we're talking about in these two podcasts on team building because we look at several of Paul's team members, some of whom you might not have even heard of if you haven't really um, dug closely at the... the, the, the uh, greetings at the end of the book. Um, and some of these names are mentioned in Acts as well, but it's just these are people that aren't household names. So um, I encourage you to check out New Testament snapshots. We look at some some of the characters in the New Testament, 12 of them to be exact, who we would say are lesser known characters in the New Testament. They're the people who, um, you know, when when uh, I don't know if you've ever had had this happen to you, you know, you're taking a group photo and there's always that one person that just doesn't really want to be on the photo. And so they kind of hide in the back. Well, these are the people that are hiding in the back. Maybe it's not their fault. Maybe there's just not enough content, but we want to bring it out. These are people who deserve to be talked about because they're in the New Testament. So New Testament snapshots, click on that link. You can read uh, most, of, most of the first chapter for free, I think, on Amazon. But definitely check it out. I know it will help you. And uh, then click on the buy button, and I would really appreciate it. All right, well, we're back. So just a quick recap. As we said, we, we talked about calling, character, and chemistry. Well, today we're going to start off with competency. As I said, it's not at the top of my list. Most people, when they're putting a team together, that's the first thing that they think about is they think about competency. How, you know, what kind of degrees does this person have? What kind of experience do they have? And those are good things. And it's definitely important. I mean, obviously, if you're, um, you know, running a hospital, you're not going to hire a, uh, <laughs> an incompetent doctor, at least I hope not. Um, you're going to hire somebody that's got the skills. Um, when you're hiring police officers, you're going to train them and make sure they've got the right skills. Um, there are certain jobs that you've got to have, uh, you know, a certain uh, skill set and a certain amount of knowledge for, and, and, and we get that. And so let's let's talk about competence. As I said, I'll take the other things first, but let's talk about competence. And my attitude is this: I'll take somebody with good character and chemistry, and you know, they might not always be as knowledgeable in the job, but if it's a job that I can train them for and they're willing to work hard, then that's what we're going to do. Now, the Apostle Paul, if we're honest, this is probably not the area that he excelled in. Um, let me give you an example. In Acts 13, Paul and Barnabas had gone on their first missionary trip, and they took young John Mark with them. And uh, as I mentioned in the resource highlight, my, my book, New Testament Snapshots, there is a chapter on John Mark. I think you'll find it fascinating. But they took him with them as their assistant on this first missionary trip. But 
maybe a quarter of the way through the trip, it says Paul and his companions left Pathos by boat for Pamphylia, landing at the port town of Perga. There, John Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem. But Paul and Barnabas kept going, traveling inland to Antioch of Pisidia. Now, what we find here is this was a very uh, sensitive area for Paul. Later on, he and Barnabas actually split up over this because Barnabas wanted to give the young man another chance, and Paul said, no, no, he deserted us. We're not giving him a second chance. But Barnabas, remember we're talking about, you know, Paul's team building. Well, Barnabas deserves some mention as well because Barnabas is the guy who sought out Saul, who became the Apostle Paul after his conversion, and trained him in the ministry. Um, He's the guy who Barnabas brought on staff as the assistant pastor of the church in Antioch um, before they went out on their missionary journeys. Uh, Barnabas is uh, really that guy who just reaches his hand. His nickname is Son of Encouragement. And so with with young John Mark, his cousin, we see that kind of behind the scenes, he works with Mark. Even though Barnabas and Paul split up and they don't take Mark with him, Barnabas does. He takes Mark with him. He continues on his journey. Paul goes on his journey taking a much more seasoned and experienced minister in the, by the name of Silas. And together, they, they did a lot of work because now they're two different teams. But later in his ministry, Paul and Barnabas were reconciled. And not long before Paul's death in 2 Timothy 4.11, Paul's writing to Timothy, encouraging him to come visit him before Paul's executed. And he says, bring John Mark with you for he is useful to me in my ministry. So we see that they've come full circle in their relationship. But competency. Um, you know, like I said, I, I believe in hiring people and training them when at all possible. Um, you know, one of the things that, that, that our church movement, C3 Church Global, uh, been around since 1980, and we've got over 500 churches throughout the world. But one of the big things that... that has been one of our values over the years is not hiring outside for pastors. You know, we don't put a search committee together and advertise and bring them in and have them preach a time or two and go, oh man, that guy preaches a good message. Let's make him our pastor. No, no, we're looking for somebody who's who's grown up in the house. Um, so so we pastors are elevated from within. And uh, the pastor, senior pastor of our church now, he's the second senior pastor, but he... Started as a church member, serving, leading small groups, and um, was eventually elevated in different positions and brought on staff to handle the money, and now he's the senior pastor. So, um, you know, I, I really believe when at all possible, if you can train, develop your people um, as much as possible. Uh, the, the beautiful thing about that is when you train them in that way, there's much less uh, bad stuff to unlearn. That's why when I was a police officer and I was putting teams together, I had um, been promoted a few times, and now I'm putting my own teams together. It was like, you know, I'll take the young guys who work hard because I can train them the the way that I want them to work. Um, also, don't be afraid to hire people who are smarter and more talented than you are. 
Um, we talk about competency. Well, let's 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 talk about it. If you're insecure as a leader, you're probably not going to hire um, somebody who's who's smarter than you are. Uh, and and it's a shame, but that's just the reality. And what's going to happen is at some point your group, your organization, your the division, your unit is going to hit a ceiling because of you. That's why I'm always looking for people who are more talented, smarter than I am, know more than I do. Bring them on. Let's work together. Um, you know, does that take uh, humility? Yeah. Does that take, uh, you know, being secure in who you are? Yeah, it does. And, you know, the reality is maybe, maybe they'll do better at my job than me and I'll work myself out of a job and find something else in the organization to do. But competency is important. We do want people who can do the job. Um, you know, one of the things I heard someone say that just really had an impact on me is they said, we ask God for a worship leader, and he gives us a lump of, a lump of clay. Um, we ask God for a chair. He gives us a tree. Uh, we have to create the people that we need. God doesn't give us a pot. He gives us the clay. He doesn't give us a, a, a tree. He gives us seeds. And so for us as leaders, you know, I think sometimes we need to expand the way that we think. Instead of just being a leader, we should be a developer of leaders. Really, the, the idea that, um, you know, my job is just to lead others, just to lead followers, really, that's just a, a terrible idea. I'd much rather lead leaders. I'd much rather create leaders than just to create than just create followers. So maybe maybe this is a different way of thinking, but this will help your leadership. All right, so we talked about competency. Now, our last one. We're talking about team building with the Apostle Paul. Communication. Communication. Does the person have good communication skills? You know, when you look at the Apostle Paul, you have to admit he had excellent communication skills. I mean, his letters, he wrote 13 letters, and they're uh, basically a quarter of the New Testament. Um, amazing letters, because let's think about it, he couldn't always visit the churches. Uh, as we said, travel was very difficult in the first century. Um, so he wrote letters. And when he could, he would visit the churches and hang out with them. But he would also send his teammates as well to visit these churches. So how did Paul follow up with his churches? Well, he would visit when he could. He would send his teammates and he would write letters. And, you know, he was a prolific writer. I mean, when you read the Corinthian correspondence, we've got two letters. But just kind of reading between the lines of those letters, it seems like there were at least two more letters that were written um, that we don't even know about. There's other letters that are mentioned in uh, Paul's writings that we, excuse me, that we don't have. So, so there's there's uh, many letters that Paul wrote that that we don't have. But thankfully, we've got the 13 that we do. So, why is communication so important? Well, it's what keeps your team functioning at a high level. Now. now too often when we think of communication, we think of, you know, having more meetings. And there is nothing worse than bad meetings. Um, you know, most meetings, I think, could probably be 
done away with. Uh, and I would say whenever possible, eliminate and combine meetings. Uh, you know, there's just, I think there's just a, a, a lot of wasted time in most organizations. So, so meetings should be, uh, you know, there should be run well. They, they should be run with uh, respecting your team member's time. I mean, it's, it, there's nothing worse than when the boss has given people things to do with timelines, but then request useless meetings in which their time is wasted um, about things they have no control over and then gets on to them because their assignments aren't done. And yet they've wasted hours in these terrible meetings. So anyway, you can see where I stand on that. Um, communication. If you're a leader, how should you communicate? Um, you know, I just believe sometimes as leaders we think people know things because we shared it one time. And, and I think that's just a sad, you know, the sad reality. But the reality is we need to over-communicate. Um, you know, people don't hear things. People are uh, being bombarded through email and text messages, and they're having to deal with so many different things. And so I think over-communicating rather than under-communicating. Um, and so as much as possible, become that communicator. And, you know, maybe it's, it's, a, it's an email. Maybe it's just walking around and popping into your teammates' offices or cubicles reminding them of what's going on having those one-on-one -on -one chats, whatever it is, but make sure you're communicating with your people. Let me give you an example of, of Paul talking about this himself. And we mentioned Timothy earlier, but Timothy is just such a great example because he really was Paul's protege in so many ways. And in 1 Timothy, uh, Paul's writing to him as he is leading the church in Ephesus. This was a church that Paul had planted and then eventually sent Timothy there to lead this real large and uh, powerful church. Um, we don't really know how many people were members there, but um, you know, definitely had been very successful. But here's what Paul's t telling Timothy. He says, teach these things and this is the, the doctrine and the things that Paul has been writing about. He said, teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. Don't let anyone think less of you because you're young, but be an example to all the believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, the public reading of the scriptures, encouraging the believers and teaching them. Do not neglect the spiritual gift you receive through prophecy spoken over you when the elders in the church laid their hands on you. Give your attention to these matters. Throw yourself into the task so that everyone sees your progress. Keep close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. But hopefully you heard in that passage several times Paul's talking about how Timothy would be communicating. He's going to be teaching. He's going to be preaching. He's going to be um, sharing his life with people as an example. Um, it, it Really, he's telling him to over-communicate. Uh, one of the things as the boss, as the leader, as the team leader, uh, the pastor, the CEO, the president, um, whatever role you have, as a leader, you are a communicator. And so it's so important 
that our communication be good, solid communication. Um, you know, one of the things that I, that I tried to live by was the no secrets rule. How often do leaders use information to keep their power? Um, I mean, I saw it in the police department where leaders would, would say, well, look, you know, there's something going on, but I can't really talk about it. Um, well, now people are starting to get a little worried. Um, you know, what's going on? And, and they, would, they would use this information to control people, and they just leak it out a little bit at a time. And, you know, it's a terrible way to lead. My attitude was there's plenty of things that are confidential that I can't talk about. The things that I can talk about, what's the purpose of making them, making them secret? It's just silly. Um, so anyway, communication is so powerful. So wherever you're at, whether you're a, you know, in a law office or an accounting firm or in a church or another non, other nonprofit organization, what are your communication skills? How do you communicate? And how could you improve on your communication? So Paul, you know, he was. He was that great communicator. And when we look at Paul, we also see that he was a great team builder. And building a great team really is one of the things that defines great leadership. What are some of the other things that you look for in people when you are building your team? Well, I'm going to stop there. I would encourage you to dig in. Read Paul's letters, and especially when you get to the end of the letter. Paul has some shout-outs kind of at the end. You see some real important leadership principles as he, he shouts out people and appreciates them. And it's just really, really insightful. Don't ever avoid that information. That's great stuff in Paul's letters. But I'd love to hear what you think. Go to davidspell.com, leave a question or comment in the comment section for today's post. While you're there, make sure you sign up to get my free newsletter so that we can stay in touch. Well, friends, thanks for being with me, and we will see you next week on Leading and Learning.